Okay, a quick recap from last week. First Thessalonians, the Lord had given me four R's, how we are to receive the word with joy and then reveal the changes that the Lord makes in us, meaning we let our, those changes be known. We let others see how the Lord has made a difference in our life. We resist the opposition that we experience as believers, and we need to be ready for the Lord's return. Now in chapter 2, um, we have seen Paul's love for these new believers in Thessalonica in spite of the persecution that he and Timothy and Silas had experienced while they were there with the Thessalonians. Paul further explained some of the things he had pointed out at the beginning of his letter, and the Lord gave me three W's for this message. We're going to consider Paul's witness, the Thessalonians' welcome, and all believers' walk. And I'll go over each of those. But the first one is Paul's witness. And I couldn't help but think, much like what's going on today with Kavanaugh, it seems the enemies of Paul that were in the city of Thessalonica were trying to blacken his reputation, were trying to uh, ruin his reputation, to destroy his witness and his motive for visiting the city. Well, the Lord is our defense and our defender, and Paul knew that, but he also wanted to remind the church how he and the others had behaved while they were there among them when they first went to Thessalonica to share Jesus. Now, when you think about being, excuse me, being a witness, to be a witness is to testify. And to witness as a Christian is not only to talk and share the way of salvation with others, but it is to live out your testimony. It's to live out your faith. It's to live out your commitment. So others that you are wanting to witness to, your walk will back up your talk. They will see the reality of Jesus in and through your life. Well, Paul lived out his testimony. He preached it, um, and he also lived it. And he wrote to remind these believers that when he was there, he had loved them. He had cared for them as a mother does her children, as a father who loves their children, and as a father cares about them. He had taken no pay from them, which he could have demanded as an apostle, but instead he and Timothy and Silas evidently worked to pay their own way so they would not be a burden to these new believers. There were some others who would come that would share, but they were in it for the money, and we still see that today. Some are in the Christian business because they can make um, money off the sheep. Um, you know, sometimes when you have a guest speaker or a guest teacher and you want them to come, especially a more well-known one, they have a certain fee that they charge and they have a list of demands that you must agree to meet or else they're not going to come. Well, the church where I went for 30 years, uh, Pastor Chuck and Kay Smith, uh, Kay never believed in that. As much as she loved and respected these women, if that was their attitude, she would not have them come. The church could have afforded it, but she just didn't feel that was right. Yes, those that are in the ministry need to be supported by the ministry, but to have a list of demands was just not the way you know, we were influenced by Kay's decision. And so I feel the same way. If someone comes and they, they just leave their gift, their honorarium up to 
the Lord, that's wonderful. Pay their way here, absolutely. When I've been asked to speak or do a conference or a retreat, that's the only thing I would expect. If it's out of town, out of state, then pay my flight. But other than that, it's all in the Lord's hands if they can afford any honorarium or not. Because it's a privilege to share with the body of Christ. And it was for Paul. And he had genuine love. He did not want to take from these believers. He wanted to give. He invested his life as well into them. He also didn't seek the glory or the praise of man. But they sought only to please the Lord. He lived out his witness, his testimony. And he lived what he had preached to them and what he had taught to them. So let me ask you a question. Are you living your life as a witness of Jesus Christ? Not just talking about Jesus when the Lord gives you opportunity, but are you living in such a way that your family, your friends, your neighbors, people you go to school with or work with can say, you know what, she's a Christian. That hasn't been for me yet, but I know she's a believer. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, he was going to send the promise of his father, he said, upon you, and you would be endued with power from on high. The power from on high is the power of the Holy Spirit. To be endued with that power of the Holy Spirit is, the word endued means to be clothed with. You're being clothed with the supernatural, miracle-working power of the Holy Spirit as he comes upon you. In Acts 1-4, Jesus said to them, and he says it to us, that you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word baptized there means to be totally covered and immersed. So you not just have the Holy Spirit with you or in you, but he wants to totally cover you, immerse you, clothe you. Just like you get up in the morning, you put clothes on. You cover up your body with clothes. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to cover you in the power the supernatural power. And in verse 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, some have the gift of evangelism. It's very easy for them to bring Jesus into a conversation. But he said, You shall be my witnesses. Didn't mean you're going to go out knocking on doors and telling everybody. Some people are called to that. We're all to do the work of an evangelist, which is to plant seeds and water the seeds whenever we have opportunity. But we should be living in such a way that our life is a testimony of our faith, living out our faith, walking the talk, living as an overcomer, overcoming the flesh, the world, and the enemy. And we can only do that through God's supernatural power that he makes available to us. So ladies, this morning I would ask, if you are lacking that supernatural power, power to overcome, the, the flesh, the world, or the enemy, if you're lacking God's love for others, then ask the, the Lord to overflow you in the power and person of the Holy Spirit, to endue you with that power from on high. So how was Paul's witness then received? Well, number two, let's look, consider the Thessalonians. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a tongue twister, I'm telling you. Thessalonian believers, thank you, um, they're welcome. Well, Paul pointed out how he had conducted himself while he was there and how they had changed lives because they welcomed him and they welcomed what he was preaching. They were changed because of their faith in Jesus. Verse 13 in chapter 2 in the New Living Translation 
reads, and we will never stop thanking God that when we preached his message to you, you didn't think of the words we spoke as being just our own. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it was. And this word continues to work in you who believe. They welcomed the good news of salvation. They welcomed Paul's teaching and they welcomed learning about how they were to live as they waited for the Lord's return. So he points to them how, not only because they welcomed their message as God's word, but they experienced changed lives because they welcomed God's word into their lives, even at the cost of their suffering. They began suffering persecution, even though they um, were a new believer, they were new believers, it was a new church, but they welcomed Jesus, they welcomed the preaching and teaching of Paul, and because of that, they had changed lives and they suffered persecution because of their faith. It says even their own countrymen had persecuted them, those that they knew and were living among. Paul tells them how they had too, how he had, and when they were in Philippi, um, before coming to them in Thessalonica. Uh, hopefully some of you did the um, optional question. You can talk about what happened there. He also tells them that uh, what his countrymen had done, um, the Jews, when they had killed Jesus, and they had even killed the prophets before Jesus. Well, think about when you welcome God's word into your life. Others may not have liked it. Maybe husbands want the old you that used to enjoy the same jokes, the same movies, the same language, the same parties, the same alcohol or drugs, same music, same TV shows. The children want their old mom who let them talk and act differently, whose mom let them dress and look like the world and talk and act like their friends whose parents don't know the Lord. The old mom who didn't go to church and didn't make them go to church, who didn't pray with them and didn't tell them what the Bible says. Maybe your co-workers aren't happy that you don't gossip anymore or that you don't tell off-colored jokes or your fellow students aren't happy when you won't cheat or let them cheat or when you won't go out partying after school or on the weekends. Your boss isn't happy because you won't lie for him anymore or for whatever. I'm sure you've all experienced some form of rejection or persecution even though it's not in the physical way that many of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are experiencing. But even those things, the things that we experience here, can take on a form of suffering and persecution. And the Lord allows you to go through it because you're learning more about him as you go through the fellowship of his suffering, as I've mentioned in the past, Philippians 3.10. Being a Christian who's walking with the Lord in close fellowship is like a salmon swimming upstream you're going against the current. You're going against the majority that are going the opposite direction <laughs> because you're being an imitator of the Lord and of other believers who've gone before you because you've welcomed God's word into your lives and into your heart and you continue to do so. So I would say good for you, ladies, good for you. Keep it up. Okay, number three. All believers walk, not just the believers in the city of Thessalonica, but all believers. The key verse is verse 12, and starting in verse 10. In fact, I'm going to turn and read it. Chapter 2, verse 10. It starts, For you are witnesses in God also, 
how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That's the key verse. And in the New Living Translation, verse 12 reads, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you into his kingdom to share his glory. The New American Standard says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And the Amplified says, to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and the glorious blessedness into which true believers will enter after Christ's return. And that's why I wore my little crown today and my earrings to remind we are royalty. We are daughters of the king. We have been called into God's kingdom and we are called to walk worthy of God's kingdom and being part of the royal family, all of us who are born again, true believers, who have put their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ and believe that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead. We are to walk worthy of the Lord and his kingdom and coming glory. Today, you are called to this. Today, I am called to this. All true believers are included, are called and urged, encouraged to walk this way. To walk here means in Greek to live in a way that, oh, sorry, it's to live, to be occupied with, to go follow. And that's, we've talked in the past, when you talk about a Christian's walk, you're talking about a manner of life, a way of living, that as a believer, it's the path you're on. It, it's to be occupied with and to follow the Lord. It's to live this way, to live in a way that's worthy of the Lord, that is worthy of being in the royal family, that's worthy of God's kingdom. Now, worthy, walk worthy in Greek means appropriately, or as becometh, or after a godly sort. So I know you understand what we're saying. We are called to walk worthy, appropriately, as a child of God. We should live like the daughters of the king, the king of kings. We should be living differently than the rest of the world. We should look differently. We should talk differently. We should act differently, especially differently than when we did before we knew the Lord differently than those who don't believe in Jesus or who are trusting in religion or the church to save them. They're saved because they're a member of thus and so religion or, well, they have works and they have faith. No, salvation is in Jesus alone. Um, I thought of when we think about walking in a way that's worthy and wanting to please the Lord, um, I thought of an old song, and because I, I have the heart of a worship leader, but God didn't give me the voice of one, so, and I don't play an instrument. So anyway, but this is an so older song that we used to sing. Lord, I want to live my life to please you. I bring my heart before you to remold. Make of me a vessel fit for honor that I might shine for you as sparkling gold. 
And then there was a chorus, to be pleasing you, pleasing you, this is all I really want to do. Well, when this couple that first wrote this, they were going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa at the time, Pastor Chuck said, you know, it's a neat song, but can you write another verse? Well, the Lord gave him this verse, Lord, I lift my heart in full surrender. All that I hold dear, I give to you. Purify my heart and make me holy that I might walk the way that's pleasing you. And I hope that that's your desire. If you know that song, I pray the Lord reminds you of it and you can sing it. But the words are great to live by, that we would want to live in a way that is pleasing the Lord and walk worthy of him. We know the truth and the truth has set us free, ladies. We are free not to sin. We are free not to live after the flesh. We're free not to be pulled into the mindset of the world or submit and, and succumb to the temptation of the devil. We are free to choose to follow Jesus and live in obedience to his word, to yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit who has been given to us to enable us to be his witnesses, to enable us to walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, that enables us to swim up, upstream, even though everyone else around us seems to be going downstream the easy way. But he empowers us to go the direction that he's going, not the direction the world is going. And even when it would seem the enemy has gotten his way, like in verse 17 through 20, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Time and again, Paul says, that means he tried more than once to come back to the city of Thessalonica to visit the church, to visit these new believers. But he says that Satan hindered him. Well, in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, Paul said the Holy Spirit had hindered him. And the New King James says the Holy Spirit had forbidden him to go to Asia to preach the word. And a second time, he said the Holy Spirit did not permit him to go somewhere else. So being led by the Spirit and hindered or being hindered by the enemy, it's all part of the walk of a believer. God opens and closes doors. And sometimes he allows the enemy to be the instrument who closes a door when God's timing is not uh, right for you to go through that door. Being led by the Spirit, being hindered, hindered by the enemy, it's all part of the walk, especially one who is serving the Lord and is out there sharing the gospel. Well, how do you know the difference, the enemy or the Spirit of God? Well, I want to read um, a devotion that I had uh, put aside from uh, about three weeks ago, and it's called Turning Evil into Good. And it's written about these verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul told the believers at Thessalonica that he and his co-workers wanted to visit them, but Satan hindered them. Does it disturb you to read that a child of God can be blocked by the devil from doing what he believes to be the will of God? If it does, remember that nothing happens without God's knowledge, nor apart from his direct or permissive will. The Lord can take any deed, whether of Satan or man, 
and turn it around for his own purposes and glory. The devil's hindering of Paul, for example, resulted in great benefit to the Christians. Because the apostle couldn't speak to the Thessalonians personally, he wrote them a letter. This portion of the Bible has been a source of rich blessing and comfort to believers down through the centuries. I'm reminded of Joseph's response to his brothers who had sold him into slavery. They feared that he would seek revenge, but he said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And that's in Genesis chapter 50. What a comfort to know that nothing happens apart from the will of our heavenly father. He is all wise, all knowing, all powerful. Under God's sovereign control, evil can be turned around to accomplish God's good purposes. And at the bottom it says, God can bring showers of blessings out of storms of adversity. So we need to remember, ladies, the Lord is sovereign. He's on the throne. There's no power over his. There's no enemy power. There's no human power. There's nothing that is over God's power and ability as he rules and reigns. Well, sometimes the Lord will use your circumstances to either open a door or close the door or change the path that he has in mind that you are on and he's taking you a different direction or you're not on it and he's trying to get you on a path. The Lord might allow the enemy, but ultimately God is in control. He has the victory and so do you in Jesus Christ. As you trust him, as you stay focused on him, as you walk in the spirit, don't give in, don't give up. Uh, to what he sets before you. But if the door is closed, don't try to make something happen. If the door is open, then go through it. Makes me go back to Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with half your heart. No? Oh, oh all your heart. And all means what? All means all. With all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. But acknowledge the Lord in some of your ways, all your ways, and he will direct your steps. He's got you covered. He has a good plan for you. Get scripture to guide you. Get scripture that confirms his will uh, and that will help direct your steps in the way he's leading you. There's something I've been praying about for over a year now. And I, I, it's like, Lord, I don't want to get ahead of you. I don't want to lag behind. I don't want to do something you don't want me to do. And I don't want to not do something you do want me to do. And he, I'm just still to do what I'm doing every day until he shows me otherwise. And we need to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. I just read something this morning, too, in a devotion that talked about, you know, seeking the Lord. Like, do you seek him for what breakfast cereal to eat every morning or what clothes to put on or where to go? There's a lot of things we just go about our day and do. But we should commit our day to the Lord. And then when it's something that isn't just your normal routine of something like that, definitely seek the Lord. Ask him for direction. Ask him to show you the way he wants you to go. Another part of walking worthy of the Lord is to invest your time and energies in new believers. Paul genuinely cared for these Thessalonians, and he longed to see them again. He said that they were his hope, his joy, his crown of rejoicing. And that was because he knew that they would be with him in the presence of the Lord. And what a blessing for someone to feel that way about you. Whoever 
prayed for you into the kingdom, who led you to the Lord. They're, they rejoice because they know they're, they're going to see you again in the presence of the Lord. That's the joy of the ministry, the fruit that comes forth for God's glory. The, the changed lives, the believers that are going to join you in the presence of the Lord because you prayed for them or you shared the gospel with them um, that led to their salvation or their growth as a believer. So ladies, be in prayer. There's a possible opportunity coming in the near future um, or maybe the beginning of next year for a mentoring ministry, a one-to-one -one ministry. And some of you probably here would love to be a mentor and others would love to be mentored. But we're waiting to see what God is going to do. But invest in new believers. And, and if you're a new believer, make sure, like, praise God, you're coming to the study. But let others invest in you and help you to grow. Because Paul wanted to see these new believers continue to grow. And we should care about others and want to see them grow. Not just our growth, which we need to make sure we're doing, but seeing to others' growth as well. That's to walk worthy of God, who has called you into his kingdom and his glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your word, for your Holy Spirit that brings us understanding of your word, that empowers us, Lord, to apply your word to our walk, to our lives, Lord, to our day. And so I pray that the things that you've been ministering to us, we would take to heart, Lord, that it would produce good, lasting fruit, Lord, for your glory. And I pray, Lord, you bless the discussion groups that, Lord, the women can minister one to another and encourage one another as they share, Lord, the things that you ministered to them as they worked on their lesson. So thank you, Lord, that you, again, for the freedom we have of gathering in your name in this place this very morning. Lord, use it to draw us closer and to deepen our faith and our walk with you. In Jesus' name.